Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Cosmos, Cosmos Space-Time Odyssey, and Cosmos Possible Worlds. Cosmos Episode 10, titled The Edge of Forever. Yet another fantastic, fantastic episode that, God, really, really hurts my brain. It hurts my brain! Because, like, this episode, it deals a lot with how everything began, and how everything exists and how everything might eventually end like it deals with the existential nature of everything and it's just like it takes on these like huge concepts that Carl Sagan explains very very well like Carl Sagan explains them in a very understandable, very digestible way, uh, and this is why Carl Sagan is one of the greatest scientific communicators of all time, but god damn does it still hurt. <laughs> god damn does it still hurt. Brain in agony. <laughs> Must stop learning (laughs) so this episode begins and it's fairly straightforward we talk about the big bang and of course pretty much everyone uh who took any level of science knows what the hell that is in the beginning there was nothing and then boom everything and you know universe expanding constantly Yada, 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 yada. You know all of this. And then Carl Sagan takes us through and, like, shows us galaxies and how galaxies work. How they constantly move uh, throughout the universe. Uh, How, like, spiral arms and certain spiral galaxies are created. And, like, how the different celestial bodies in galaxies move around uh, relative to those spiral arms constantly. Currently... Uh, we are on the outskirts of a spiral arm. 
Um, then it goes into how galaxies can collide into one another and uh, irrevocably change their shape as a result. Uh, what happens when galaxies blow themselves up? <laughs> and that's quite possibly what quasars are. Man, a lot of things in the universe blow up after a while. Have you noticed that? Like, suns. They blow up. And supernovas. Galaxies. They blow up. Possibly as quasars. A lot of things in the universe blow up. It, it, an argument can be made that the universe itself is in a constant state of blowing up. <laughs> we, if you really think about it for a second, we technically live inside of an explosion. Because <laughs> it's like still expanding from that initial boom from the Big Bang. So like, if you really think about it on a philosophical level, oh my god, everything is an explosion. Ah, brain! Brain! <laughs> Too much knowledge can't handle! Uh, this theory not endorsed by Carl Sagan. Uh, <laughs> uh, but then we get into the Doppler effect. Uh, how, like, everything gives off waves, whether light waves, sound waves, whatever, and... Uh, if it's in motion, the waves in front contract, uh, or are compressed, rather. Uh, the waves behind, like, are sort of further apart. So, like, everything in front is blue-shifted, everything in back is red-shifted. Uh, and this is why the pitch changes uh, when a train, like, just rolls right past you. This is why the pitch changes uh, when the train is coming towards you and then moves directly past you and then is going away from you uh in light waves that goes to blue shift red shift and then he goes into uh hummerson who like they tell his story and carl sagan tells it once again in a very compelling way because he is a great storyteller in addition to just knowing shit uh, <laughs> and like just how he took part in uh, using these gigantic freaking telescopes to sort of uh, take pictures of far-off galaxies, taking us through that entire process, and how his research, along with other people, uh, basically confirmed the existence of the Big Bang. Like, it showed that galaxies were moving further and further apart from one another. Uh, the galaxies furthest away from us were moving seemingly faster, and the galaxies... Uh, closer to us, we're moving slower away. Uh, so the further galaxies were mar like more, more red shifted or blue shifted or whatever. I I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> I'm explaining this very very poorly. But uh, he takes us through his story uh, from when he was a mule team driver. Up and up and up and up the totem pole, the scientific totem pole, until he helped make this discovery. And then we get into the idea of the universe on not just a three-dimensional plane, but a four-dimensional plane. And this is where the episode starts to hurt. This is where the episode starts to hurt my brain. So we do the flatland, and... Like, this is not unique to Carl Sagan. A lot of uh, big, like, 
a lot of big people have used this Flatland uh, allegory, but Carl Sagan does this, and he shows, like, what if a three-dimensional being, Napple, visited a land of two-dimensional objects that were just, like, squares and circles and rectangles, uh, and just the chaos of, like, the two-dimensional beings not being able to comprehend the three-dimensional apple. They're not able to uh, understand the third dimension of up. Like, they know length, they know width, like, they know left-right, they know forward-back, but they don't know up-down. And third-dimensional apple takes two-dimensional square into the uh, place known as up, and he can't, like, tell the other two-dimensional shapes, the other flatland resonance, uh, what, wh- what direction up is, because he can't comprehend. Like, and then, from there, we're like, now what if this was gone up a level? What if this was escalated up a level to 3 to 40? And he shows us a cube, and, like, gives us the shadow of a cube on a two-dimensional space. And, of course, like, Two-dimensional space, you kind of lose the all lines are exactly equal, all right angles, blah, 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 uh, in favor of this, like, just flattening. And then he's like, okay, what if this cube was brought into the fourth dimension uh, and became a hypercube or a tesseract? Hey, Marvel. Uh, (laughs) The Avengers. Uh, And we can't comprehend what a tesseract looks like but we can construct the shadow of it in three dimensions and Carl Sagan shows us this like weird like there's a cube in the center of a cube and that uh that second cube has like these little like trapezoids all around it that lead into the smaller cube and it's like somehow this in four dimensions makes a hypercube, whatever the hell that looks like, but we can't possibly comprehend that because we can't comprehend the fourth dimension. Now, it is entirely possible that our universe is curved and not flat on a three-dimensional space, but curved in a fourth-dimensional space. And so... We could, theoretically, start from Earth, go in a straight freaking line, and then eventually go back to Earth. Or at least where Earth was at the point in which we left rotation, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Revolution, blah, 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 blah. Mm. But we could start at one point, mark our space, go in a straight line, and then eventually go back to that same marker. And, like, the universe would be, like, a globe, and the expansion of it, it'd basically be, blow it up like a 4D balloon. And so that would account for why it looks to us like we are in the center of the universe. The galaxies further away from us are moving away faster than the galaxies closer to us. That would account for that. Now, none of this is confirmed, but it is a pretty damn good theory. So, basically... Our three-dimensional universe could be curved in a fourth dimension. So we could live in a fourth-dimensional universe that we can't comprehend because we are three-dimensional creatures. Brain 
hurt. <laughs> brain hurt. Brain hurt. And if, if we live in a closed universe it, that's curved in this fourth dimensional space, a, a closed off universe, that means like, we are in this globe forever. Nothing can get out. The, the boundaries of it are impenetrable. No light can get out, no anything. Which means, technically speaking, there is a chance that the entire universe is a black hole. Brain hurt. <laughs> Brain hurt. <laughs> It hurts so bad. I hate it. I hate it. Ow. Ow. Owie. Owie. And then Carl Sagan then translates all of this and talks about how this has led to this uncertainty around how the universe is has led to people creating God theories, creating religions. And interestingly enough, Carl Sagan kind of goes into how, quite by accident, the one religion that has gotten the closest to scientific accuracy is Hinduism. Like, their, their timelines for the universe are staggeringly close to the modern accepted scientific timelines. Like, uh, they have things out in, like, 8.5 billion year chunks, which the universe is 15 uh, billion years old, so that, uh, or around 15 billion years old, so that kind of works out. Like, it is the closest to correct. Still, like, wildly, insanely off, but like, it's weirdly, Hinduism is the closest to being scientifically accurate. Didn't know that. Uh, but we talk about how people have sort of assigned a creator. To the universe. And Carl Sagan sort of gets into this whole rabbit hole of just like, well, if there's a creator, who created the creator? Did the creator always exist? And by extension, does that mean that his creation already always exists? And it literally gets into this big philosophical monologue about like, how ultimately pointless religion is? And how little religion makes any form of sense. Like, if there's a god, who created the god? And if he always existed, did that not mean his creation technically by extension always existed? Why not remove a step? Like, just... Again, brain hurt! <laughs> like, but Carl Sagan very, like... Very brilliantly, like, just... Removes all importance of religion, of just, like... No, it makes way more sense to say this is just a naturalistic thing. It actually makes more sense on an existential le level to say this is a natural phenomenon. Because then there are rules to it. And then there's like a... A finitism to it. Like, it's... It just works better. It makes more sense. And then we get to the eventual contraction... Of the universe. The idea that eventually the universe will expand, 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 and then it'll basically be done expanding, and then it'll start contracting, and then it'll start to move inward. It'll have this like crunch, and then it'll just go back to the 
the little whatever it was before possibly blowing up again. Like we might be locked in an attempt in an, uh, in a perpetual cycle of expansion and contraction and expansion and contraction and expansion and contraction. Or the universe will just keep expanding until everything's too far away from each other and uh, there's not enough matter and it just becomes like cold and dead. Neither one is great for us, but either one will be billions of years off, so who cares? Uh, but anyway, so it is possible that the universe will eventually crunch itself. And then we look at these radio telescopes, this array of radio telescopes in New Mexico uh, that looked out to galaxies with X-rays. And this is a big segment kind of going into how cool these radio telescopes are and how uh, they work and all of that. But the the thing that really matters here, the thing that Carl Sagan builds up to, is the discovery that if you look at a galaxy with X-rays, at some galaxies, uh, there is like some hydrogen glowing between galaxies that just borders galaxies. And if this is a constant, that sort of creates the proof for there's enough matter to close the universe and leave us in this globe that we talked about earlier. And Carl Sagan just gives you one last reason to hurt your brain. <laughs> and it's like, man, if the universe is just like this one, like, sphere, this four-dimensional sphere, then it's entirely possible that, like, we are just an electron in a larger universe that's an electron in a larger universe that's an electron in a larger universe on and on and on forever, and it's entirely possible, uh, people do think that each electron in our universe is a smaller universe and each electron in that universe is a smaller universe and each electron in that universe is a smaller universe, and on and on and on and on and on and on and on, and it's just like ugh, Hurt, pain, Carl Sagan, why? <laughs> brain in agony. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Hope you all enjoyed this existential crisis. <laughs> uh, also, I, I did kind of skirt past this, but the radio telescopes are pretty cool. Like, they're able to get a lot of information from almost nothing, like, really. Like, basically, the radio telescopes, they are acquiring information from so far away that they're getting, like, a quadrillionth of a watt that then gets converted into an image, that then gets converted into an image of what's, like, really, really far away. Like, apparently, all the information from every radio telescope ever captured is not even at the level of energy of, like, one snowflake falling to the ground, which is insane to me. Like, they're able to get so much information from such a small amount of energy. It's, like, really, really cool. Anyway, uh, yeah, this episode's great. I'm in pain now. Uh, I'll have a headache for the entire weekend, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk about the last three episodes of the show and then go on to... Tyson, we're close to the end. We're close to the end of uh, of the Sagan era. 
Uh, if you like this, favorite podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as we go through every single episode of this and other shows. Uh, and you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simply just to push a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark pledges a dollar a month. It's not that much. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Or, if that's not work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, On Monday, we will be discussing Cosmos Episode 11. Talk to you then.